We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're doing a live Brooklyn buzz right now. Ladies and gents, just waiting for my boy OTG Nick to join the squad. Then we'll get going. So, all right, here we go. Um, it was a win. It was a win. It wasn't pretty. It was stressful. And it was against the Knicks, but they all count the same. So, 113-109, Nets went at home in Barclays Center. And Kyrie essentially hits a game winner. It was, Nick. Um, do you want to do that little spiel you do at the start because it's a little bit different this time around? Yes, I uh, appreciate everybody obviously listening as always, and you can find the shows on iTunes, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, Dash Radio, Google Play, and YouTube. You also can head to Design Tree, slash off the glass, and grab some Brooklyn Buzz tees. So, Nick, uh, the first half, it was all things smooth sailing to an extent. I did a little bit of a mini periscope. Things were clicking for the offense. Everyone was contributing. The second unit was looking good. Uh, I guess let's talk about that first half. What were your thoughts? Yeah, everything actually started to look really good. I like the way Kenny was staggering the rotations. You know, Lavert was out early, then came back in more with the second unit. You know, Kyrie and Spence got some time together. I really like the rotations better. And also, we just saw the second unit, you know, kind of pop off a little bit. It was some of it was the Knicks' mistakes, but some of it was guys just being more aggressive from Garrett Temple, Nawaba. And then uh, Rodion started to pick it up a little bit in this game, too. He started off rough, but then he kind of caught some energy. Yeah, I think Rodion's, I, I said in my little halftime periscope as well, that the defense and the rebounding almost brought him and gave him that energy in the offensive end. He was able to hit a few threes. Uh, I really like the sets that Coach Kenny was sort of putting out yep. there, getting everyone involved. Uh, it seemed to be very much a team effort in that first half. Um, and, and things were just sort of clicking. You know, Kyrie was doing a couple of things. Karras went into foul trouble. I think everyone got into foul trouble. It got ridiculously dirty, ridiculously sloppy. I guess that first quarter, things started to, to look quite good. Um, and then there was that mini scuffle towards the end with Bobby Portis having some words with Kyrie. Torian Prince getting involved, stand up for his teammate. What were your thoughts on that? I loved it. I think that's exactly what you need. You know, Torian Prince getting in there, Bobby Portis just being a little extra. We know he punched a teammate in the face, so obviously he's probably willing to punch Kyrie. I liked in the, uh, in the second half, too, when DeAndre Jordan kind of ripped the ball from Marcus Morris, and he was kind of showing him what's up. So a little bit more toughness from the Nets than we're used to seeing. 
Yeah, I, I think we've got some guys on the roster that aren't willing to, to sort of back down. Um, and, and I mean, it's it's all relative. Those moments happen a few and far between. But it was good to sort of see our guys stand up for Kyrie. You know, I put out, he, he didn't seem to think much of it. It's, like, it's just basketball, guys. It's just basketball. <laughs> Kyrie with the Galaxy Brains third eye sort of stuff going on. Um, and then Richard Jefferson with one of the funniest comments. is like, Bobby Portis is trying to fight him while wearing his own shoes. Uh, <laughs> RJ is just too much sometimes. But it, it seemed to me that, you know, if you're looking at it, I guess, to an extent, it sort of worked in the favor of the New York Knicks because they like to play that sort of gritty style, slow it down, get things dirty. Um, get things down low. Uh, and it worked for them in the third and the fourth because they got the ascendancy to an extent. Yeah, I mean, it's just similar in all sports. When the game gets sloppy, it kind of evens the talent out where obviously the Nets are a more talented team. But if you give a team an opportunity to get back in it with free throws and turnovers, they're going to capitalize. And that's what happened. I mean, in the middle of the third quarter, it felt like, okay, this is going to be a blowout. And then all of a sudden, the Nets just turned the energy down. The Knicks took advantage and that momentum just carried into the fourth quarter. Yeah, and then, you know, getting outscored 26 to 19 that period, you know, the, the, the Nets couldn't buy a basket. Um, there was, I think it was a five or six minute stretch where they just couldn't find anything. Uh, do you think Coach Kenny left that second unit out there a little bit too long and, and waited a little bit too long to uh, get Kyrie out there? Yeah, I mean, I think the second unit, like he handled it in the first half, where the minutes were more staggered and we just saw some of the starters with the second unit a lot, just felt like everything ran a little bit more smoothly. And he didn't do that in the second half. I felt like Rodion's really didn't play much in the second half at all. So I just think Kenny needs to work on the rotation. And then in the fourth quarter, when Levert wasn't playing, you saw lineups that probably never even played minutes together because it seemed like in training camp that Kyrie and Levert were spending a lot of time together. So Spence and Kyrie got a little bit more time than normal. I was befuddled that we didn't see Carol Savert at all in that final period. How do you think you know, I fouls, felt? <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. I can call. Um, but, you know, you have your second best player, one of your best defensive players, just sitting on the pine. And, I mean, luckily we got the win. It's almost probably going to go to the wayside and a, a lot of fans will probably forget about it. But I think we have to talk about it. It was one of the most strange things we've ever seen. I mean, we saw a lot last season DeAndre Russell get benched for, for certain things. You sort of said that there was a reason behind the Carousel Vert eventually. Do you want to talk me through that? Yeah, there was uh, the fourth quarter started off and Carousel Vert went under a screen or got caught on a screen, didn't show effort. Kevin Knox hit the three. I'm pretty sure Kenny benched him, if not right after that, shortly after that. We've seen him actually do this again to Levert before. This was actually two years ago against OKC. He did the same thing, and he didn't play the rest of the fourth quarter. But like you mentioned, D'Angelo Russell, this was a common thing. And also, Levert wasn't having a good game in terms of taking care of the ball. He had six turnovers tonight. Yeah, it, I mean, the team had 26 turnovers in total, and I think the Knicks had 24 themselves. It was incredibly sloppy basketball, as you'd expect in the earlier points of the season. But True. You know, Carlos Levert wasn't at his best. He had these moments. That little hezzy was just filthy. Disgusting, yeah. It, it was, I mean, there's, there's bound to be highlights of plenty when you have Kyrie Irving in the team. And now Karis Avert, to add to that, a couple of yaks um, from DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I guess we'll talk about that. Um, the lobs work, Nick. Yeah, they did. And I think it also was the way the Knicks played the Nets a little bit differently than Minnesota. Minnesota did a great job in that game, again, on the Nets home opener, of kind of putting a body on the big so they couldn't get up for that oop where the Knicks kind of became more aggressive to Spencer Dinwiddie or Kyrie Irving, whoever it was, and kind of opened up more opportunities for the big. DeAndre and Spencer capitalized. Do you think DeAndre was better than Jarrett tonight? Yeah, I do. I think in certain aspects he was, and then other aspects Jarrett was better. I thought Jarrett had a couple of nice passes out there, but inside the physical presence against a team like the Knicks that really doesn't have shooting bigs, we saw them let Julius Randle shoot like three or four wide open threes and he missed. I think DeAndre played a better game, and he also just more aggressive inside. 
Yeah, I think the matchup worked best for a guy, DeAndre Jordan. I think, you know, he has the history as well. So you're going to be uh, a little bit more motivated, have that intrinsic motivation to sort of show against your old squad, even though you played like half a season there. But yeah, I thought DeAndre Jordan was a little bit better. He worked well in the pick and roll. Um, I, I just think his impact was better than, um, you know, it was almost a, a carbon copy from Jared Allen's performance against Minnesota, you know. Uh, but Jared Allen wasn't, hor- uh, he was bad. He was probably one of the, the, the lesser performers. Um, his hands look, it doesn't seem to me he still has that confidence yet. Yeah, he looks a little frazzled. For some reason, maybe it's DeAndre Jordan being there and he's competing for minutes. He doesn't know how to handle it, but he just hasn't been as aggressive attacking the rim. He's kind of like flopping all over the place. The only real positive, he had 11 rebounds, which is pretty good, but there was also a couple times where he got body down low and the Knicks were able to get the offensive board. So it's like we know Jared's going to be a work in progress still, but some of the lack of progression is a little concerning. It, it is to an extent, but it is obviously early days. and I think Two games. Two with, yeah, two games. Literally two games. It's... It's early days, and obviously with the roster as how it's constructed right now, there's obviously lots of things you need to sort of figure out, and, and that's on Coach Kenny, that's on Jarrett individually. Uh, but if we're looking at the comparison, you know, we spoke about plus minus in comparison to the bench and the starters. Um, with the last game, um, DeAndre Jordan was plus seven in 23 minutes, and Jared Allen was minus five. So I guess if we're looking at who was a more positive impact, the, the, stats, the stats can sometimes... Uh, paint a picture but I really like DeAndre Jordan obviously he didn't hit the free throws um, that we would have liked at least he got to the line whereas Jared Allen uh, was unable to even get there so uh, I think the fact that we have two starting caliber centers it's going to be matchup by committee now I think that you know it was it's surprising I guess to an extent that Jared Allen did only play 20 or did play 25 minutes still and DeAndre only played 23 minutes would you have played DeAndre would you have flipped that um, I think it was fine. And they ended up getting the win. And obviously you kind of still want to play Jared. And I felt like he wasn't terrible in the fourth quarter. And I don't think uh, DeAndre could have played, you know, straight through, you know, maybe it would have been a late sub, but I think it ended up being okay. It's kind of like hard at times if you don't have a game plan to play the one player more, you know what I mean? Like it was hard for Kenny to adjust on the fly and to an extent. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess we'll go through that fourth quarter in it because I mean, there's not a lot to really talk about because it was just like, I'm going to have any fouls do you want to just talk about it. Same. <laughs> I understand how people get frustrated by it, but all the calls were there. Yeah, it was. And especially just like the guys were being sloppy too with the ball. There was a lot of turnovers. And like you mentioned earlier, it's the second game of the season. This is not the only teams that are playing sloppy basketball. We've seen it across the NBA. It's going to take a while for guys to get in sync, especially because so many teams have so many new players. So I wasn't really surprised. I mean, the only real disappointing thing that this game could have been over and the Knicks could have said the same thing because they shot bad from the free throw line as well. But if the Nets could hit their free throws, I think it would have been a little bit easier. Yeah, both teams shot horribly. Um, I'll take a quick look at, at what the free throw percentages was. 16 so to 20. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I was just going to say 57.1% for the New York Knicks, 16 of 28, and 23 of 34 for the Brooklyn Nets. Were you a little bit surprised at the fact that the, uh, the, the New York Knicks were able to shoot 17 of 25 from the perimeter? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an outlier. Like, the Nets essentially let them shoot those threes because so many guys on the team are bad three-point shooters. I think Alonzo Trier was knocking it down. Kevin Knox, who we know had one of the most inefficient rookie seasons ever, was just like killing it from three. You would think that he was like a three-point specialist out there. And then Wayne Ellington, yeah, he's a good three-point shooter, but it's extremely hard to not play in the first half and then hit three straight threes. Uh, he's a hot hand. He's a professional. He's a vet. So um, that last one I was certainly nervous about because he, he was feeling it and uh, I didn't want him to hit it more than anything because – um, we needed this win. At the end of the day, it was one of the, the uglier performances that we've had to review on the Brooklyn Buzz before. But, uh, but at least it's a win. Irving's, 
It's a win. And, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, I mean, what more can you say about him? Honestly, there was just so many more, so many highlight plays. It's just a continuation each game. Like the amount of stuff he does out there is ridiculous. When the Nets, the Knicks were trying to double team him on the screens, he was just letting it get into the rim or finding the open guy. A lot of great stuff out there. But you kind of hinted at this earlier. I don't think he's quite found the chemistry yet with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I think that he's still figuring. I think he's got good chemistry with a lot of the other guys. I think he's yeah. really, really willing to to find Joe. Really willing to find Torian. Uh, and him and Karras, obviously, we saw in the first game, maybe a little bit less in this game, but he's finding that chemistry with the bigs. And when you have your ball hand, uh, that's essentially what you want to find. You know, we saw Spencer develop that tonight, as we were talking about with the, I guess, uh, the era of Lob City that has come to Brooklyn, uh, <laughs> at, least tempor- at least temporarily at this stage. But that last shot, I mean, everyone's sort of talking game six, uh, game six vibes from when he was in Cleveland. It, it was just money. It was just money, and he just, like, nailed it. I mean, and he just hit another big three in the home opener. So how many big shots is he going to hit in Brooklyn? Obviously, you don't want him to even be in that situation in this game. But, hey, they came up, they dealt with the adversity, and they won the game. And having a closer like that is just next level. Yeah, I, I just feel, in terms of just as a fan watching, I just feel incredibly confident whenever the ball is in his hands. Mm-hmm. Wherever he is on the floor, I've never felt, in terms of my, my fan tenure as a Brooklyn Nets fan, in terms of any player, in terms of creating his own shot, no matter where he is, no matter what he is doing, Kyrie Irving is almost a walking bucket. Yeah, you feel confident he's going to get a good attempt or maybe try to draw a foul. It's very rare. It's like seems like two out of ten times it's not a shot that he could actually make, but most of the time he's good to go. And I felt like you mentioned you know, setting up teammates tonight. He only had five assists, but it felt like he had a lot of hockey assists, just initiating the offense and getting the ball moving. And I felt like the ball movement was very nice in the first half. The third quarter, end of the third quarter and fourth quarter, not so much. Yeah, I think we started the game, it was like 15 assists or so in the first half and only finished with 21. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing that we couldn't continue that sort of ball movement. But I think the Knicks got the game on their own terms, as we sort of alluded to. But you know, Kyrie Irving is just... Uh, and the post-game stuff when, with him, uh, reunite, not reunited, but just united with his dad. Uh, it just seemed to be a, a really nice moment. Yeah, it really did. And obviously, I think last night, you know, he was in Brooklyn saying the Nets are trying to take over the city and the sleeping monster might come back. So just already spending time in the community. And, you know, this was apparent in the home opener. But again, tonight, there's just a real connection between Kyrie and the fans. And in terms of uh, who we've got a question is, should we be worried about Jarrett Allen? And that is from, I cannot see the name. Hans Michael. Okay, you can look at because I'm looking. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can read it. I can read it, Jack. Yeah. All right, uh, you you do that, Nick, because I don't want people to see a close up of my face and my <laughs> nose, my bloody nose hairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hans Michael. Should we be worried about Jared Allen? Uh, I would be a little bit, but it is again early days. He is a young player, and I think that you know when we were doing a lot of preview buzzes, you know, be it player, be it team. That the center position, I think, is one where there is a, a real overlap with DeAndre Jordan uh, and Jared Allen. Not in terms of skill set, but in terms of uh, both the quality and both want that starting position. And I think that there's going to be times where they're going to overlap and there's going to be points where you know, Jared Allen is going to have his bad games and DeAndre Jordan is going to have his bad games. And I think that we're going to get a lot of hyperbolic reactions to it. You know, People were saying um, that Jared Allen uh, was, shouldn't have been played in the first game, which I was shocked that because despite the fact that he had some moments, he was much better than DeAndre Jordan. But I think DeAndre Jordan has established himself as 
this reputation, even with players, with people that might not watch his game very closely, and it's just like, well, he's DeAndre Jordan, we should have him out there. But in, t- in times and in certain matchups, he's, he's a liability. And we spoke about that in terms, and you spoke about it quite a bit in terms of his lateral quickness, his ability to get on, add onto the perimeter. So for me, you know, I would be worried a little bit because he hasn't shown a lot of growth offensively. He's still an incredible defender. I still really rate him highly as a, as a defender. On, the, on that end of the floor, I, I have no qualms at all. But he needs, to, he needs to get better. And I'm not sure how he does. I think that just comes with, with, with him uh, at the end of the day. Him just taking control. Him just feeling that belief in himself. And the coaches continuing to do work. I'm sure it'll come. He, he is still an incredibly young talent. And if we're comparing to a guy like tonight, Mitchell Robinson, who you know, uh, gets a lot of chatter and uh, a lot of NBA Twitter, a lot of Knicks Twitter do love. He's an incredible defender. He started the game with that absolutely massive block. But then a guy like him fouls out in like 20 minutes. So uh, you take that with a grain of salt and you, you, to catch 22 with these young centers, I think it's probably the hardest position to play in the league uh, if you are a young guy. There aren't many Carl Anthony Towns out there. There aren't many Nicole Jokic's. There aren't many Joel Embiid's. There are a lot of young guys. There aren't a lot of established centers. Jared Allen's got a long future in this league, um, but he does need to make some improvements. He's got to reach his potential that we know he does have. Yeah, I would say, I don't know if this is the correct word, but I feel like he almost needs to be a little bit more violent in terms of like attacking the rim. You constantly are seeing him getting pushed back. You know what I mean? He's always falling backwards. It's like, Jared, you are have the vertical leap that you can block the best players in the NBA. You can get up and dunk on some of these guys and try to go over the top. You know, uh, Richard Jefferson brought this up when R.J. Barrett tried to dunk it like two times that he probably really didn't have a chance on. One time he got free throws just because he's attempting that, and that's what you want to see from Jared Allen. Instead of being so timid at times, just be more aggressive and attack the rim, and I think that's what the issue is offensively right now, and obviously the sloppy hands, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah, he just needs to get a little bit sickier. Uh, there is, it's funny, in, in, in football, I, I know, I, okay, well, read into that what you will, mate. I don't have the dirty mind that you do. But in, in footy, you can have, you can have this, this material where you put it on your hands and it makes your hands sticky and it allows you yep. to, to mark the ball. Um, I'm pretty sure that would be illegal in basketball, but a guy, Jared Allen, does need that. And he's got so much talent and we've spoken about it. And I think a lot of this frustration comes from the fact that we know how good he can be and he's shown so much already. Um, it's it just, we want him to get there. We want him to get there quicker. I think patience is a virtue. I think he has that patience. And I, I know that the team around him uh, has a lot of patience too. So uh, I'm really hoping that we can see his fullest potential sooner rather than later. But it's going to be a waiting process. Oh, Nick has uh, bumped off. So, yeah, I think with Jared Allen, we're just hoping that, you know, next game is, is, a, is a completely different ball game. And we'll have to wait and see what happens there against Memphis. You know, he's going to be coming up against... Uh, you know, the likes of Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the most talented uh, young big men in the league. Uh, but then, you know, we've got guys like the Indiana Pacers who have an incredibly formidable big man rotation with Sabonis uh, and Turner. So uh, what are your thoughts on Jared Allen? Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to some of the other yeah. players? Yeah. I think he has a good test. You mentioned playing the Pacers soon. They also play the Pistons soon. Uh, even the Trailblazers, like, a little bit farther down the line. So he's going to have some big centers to deal with. It's going to be a good test, and he's going to have to kind of react and find different ways to maybe be more effective. We saw a couple plays earlier in this game where he was kind of cutting from the perimeter, and he's just so much quicker than the bigger guys. Maybe that's an area he can capitalize on more. Yeah, maybe there might become a point where Coach Kenny can run some sets for him. It doesn't have to be a, a large amount of them, but – 
you know, at the start of the game, I really liked the fact that there were some sets of Toy and Prince and Joe Harris. Yep. There was, you know, a definitive nature to get those guys involved early. And it did work well because, you know, they had a real nice ascendancy in the first half. But let's get to some of the bench guys, Nick. You know, guys like David Noir, Barodi on courts, Spencer Dinwiddie as well, continuing to do some nice things, um, you know, getting to the line quite a bit. And Garrett Temple, um, what stood out to you for those guys? Yeah, they played with just more energy and more aggression, especially just off ball. And I think, you know, we didn't really touch on this to start the show, but the transition game was improved. We saw more pace, and I think that benefits bench players. It's definitely guys like David Nwaba who aren't necessarily going to create a ton of offense. You saw him get some dunks, and just staying movement, staying moving is important. And obviously the Knicks' second unit isn't great, so it was an easier opportunity for them too. Yeah, it's, uh, and I think it, uh, the way that we play the game, there seems to be an emphasis on transition play, and I think that that it does play into our hands because we have a lot of athletic players. You know, guys like Taras Avert, David Nwaba, these guys can get out there. Rodion Scourge, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Kyrie Irving with the ball in his hands. You know, um, he's got such crafty handles that you know he's going to create anything in the open court. And Jared Allen as a big man too. And you know, DeAndre when he's out there and he wants to get those buckets, he knows how to move as well. But I was really happy with with Garrett Temple. I really like his defensive soundness. You know, that mm. sort of leadership. I think if we're comparing him to a guy like Jared Dudley last year, he just seems to me uh, a more capable player right now at this yep. point of his career. And the the, the three ball. Um, both of them, you know, have their issues with it. But Garrett Temple just looks at, at least more mechanically fluid to me. Yeah, if you give him a wide open look, he can hit it. You know, you feel more confident. He's not going to really hit the contested ones. He didn't look that great in the first game coming off screens. It's more of like a set catch and shoot opportunity. It feels confident that he's going to nail it. David Nwaba knocked one down, but obviously we want to see him cutting and he's out there for his defense too. But you mentioned, you know, just being a more capable Jared Dudley for Temple. I agree with that. And he showed some really good defensive play out here, just fighting through screens and having good positioning. Yeah, when he has the ball in his hands, you know, he's, he's going to do the right thing. Be it take the shot, be it, you know, dish it off. Um, he just knows what to do at the right amount of times. But do you think this is the rotation that we likely see, Nick? You know, Rodin's court's 12 minutes. DeAndre Jordan, you know, 20-plus minutes. Devin Nwaba, 14. Garrett Temple, 19. And obviously Spencer Dinwiddie with 27 himself. Uh, I think Kenny's still toying with the lineups. Um, obviously, I think the, lineup, the rotation will be a little bit different because Karis Levert's going to play more than 24 minutes, most likely moving forward. So, He's going to have to take minutes from somewhere. I really didn't mind the way Rodion's played. Like, I might want to see him get a couple more minutes here and there. Are you surprised we haven't seen any small ball lineups, or is it just because of the two opponents we've had? We'll see it moving forward. Well, yeah, against the New York Knicks, you know, you play small ball at your peril. You know, there were some moments in the post where guys like Julius Randle, Marcus Morris got switched onto smalls, uh, and they ate on them, and it's a bucket for them. And even though, yes, you know, it's the two points, and it's, you know, the analytics, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, it's still a bucket. So I think the, the matchups are probably are playing a part in that. Um, so I think that we, we can see it throughout the season. You know, Coach Kane does like to experiment a little bit. But at this point in time, uh, I think it's, it's fine. And I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about it. In terms of two things, Nick, that I'll throw at you that you are more concerned about, turnovers or free throws? Um, that's a great question. I think turnovers are more correctable in a sense where you just won't turn the ball over. But if you get like stuck in a mental game where you're not hitting free throws, that's pretty concerning. And the Nets weren't a great free throw shooting team last year. So I guess maybe free throws, cause you could easily say the turnover thing is just a team not having chemistry and being sloppy and they could fix that. But if they're just like not a good free throw shooting team, that's a concern. You know, Kyrie's a lock. Spencer was fine. Karis LeVert is a little bit of a question mark. Jared Allen didn't shoot any free throws. We know Deandre Jordan is having up and down career. But it, it seems like it's contagious that guys are missing free throws, which is kind of scary, but hopefully correctable too. So yeah, I just didn't even answer your question. 
I mean, that's one. It's a hard question to answer. I throw them at you without much preparation. It is early days. Hopefully, we we see both both things correct themselves uh, in due in due course. But yeah, I think I'd probably be more more worried about the free throws as well because at the end of the day, those are easy points. Supposedly, I think that it's all a mental game there uh, more than anything. Um, and turnovers, I think, you know, you get those out once the chemistry sort of happens. You know, there were worrisome parts last year. Uh, the Nets uh, had some high turnover games. But I think that comes with chemistry and it almost, it's contagious because if the other team's doing it, then it almost feeds into your style of play as well. But um, I'm not necessarily alarm bells just yet because, I mean, you can't be after two games. But if we're talking about this after 20 or 30 games, then I think that there are some things that need to be addressed. Yeah, and you don't want guys scared to go to the free throw line because the free throws played a big part in the Nets winning last season. It's going to play a big part this year since they have so many attacking guards. You mentioned on one of your tweets, you know, Kyrie already stacking up the free throws he did in the first game, he did in game two. It's probably going to be a constant thing. Same thing with Spencer Dimity and Karis LeVert, too. And then we want Jared yeah. Allen to get to the line. Oh, of course, yeah. I think you want to put the pressure on the, on the defense. You want to get them into foul trouble and, you know, get to the line because I think that just it's, it's easy money and it also puts, you know, the, the opposing team in foul trouble and you want to have their more talented players on the pine for, for longer stretches of time um, in, in that sort of sense. But um, Toy and Prince and Jay Harrison, I guess we'll talk a little bit about their games. We've touched on a lot of the other guys. Um, what did you think of, of their performances tonight? Yeah, I think Joe Harris was more aggressive in this game from the start. You mentioned some of the sets Kenny called for him, but I also liked him attacking the rim, even after being blocked by Mitchell Robinson. You know, Torian Prince didn't quite attack as much, but he still had some aggressive stretches. And I think it's going to be important maybe all year long to kind of get those guys touches early so they stay aggressive because we know how lethal they can be from deep. And if they're attacking inside too, it just makes the Nets a problem. Yeah, I think um, Joe Harris did. No, he was second uh, in plus minus for the team. I don't know who he was. He was plus two, but he had 13 points in 31 minutes on five bait shooting, you know, three of five from the field. And yeah, I did like his drives. You know, I think he, like you mentioned, he was blocked by Mitchell Robinson, but then he got one on him down low as well. And for Torian Prince, three of 10 from the field isn't the best, but, you know, he did have six rebounds, did have a block himself, did have a few too many turnovers, but then so did everyone. Um, so I think you can't necessarily put that down to anything, but, you know, he's already a value add and I think he's going to be really, really good. I liked his defense in the post. Um, I mentioned yeah. it when talk, talking about Anthony Davis in the preseason. He continued that against guys like Julius Randle. He made them, you know, he made them uncomfortable. And I think that when you're coming up against guys that have got three or four inches on you and, and 20 pounds or 15 kilos, whatever you want to say, um, then you're doing your job. Yeah, I agree. I was really impressed with his D in the post, and it makes you feel more confident moving forward, you know, him going against real power forwards. And obviously, Julius Randle was a test tonight against Minnesota. He didn't have to, but he held his own against Randle, who is a solid post scorer. We've seen him kind of bully guys his entire time in the NBA. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of his, his strong suits. But were there any other things you wanted to touch on, Nick, before we are in this one? Um, not really. I mean, just I'm still just hyped about Kyrie Irving being in Nets uniform. You kind of mentioned the confidence and having a guy like that in the clutch. It just makes you feel a different degree. But uh, do you want to touch on anything in terms of Memphis? I was just going to touch on just the, the general New York-Brooklyn uh, rivalry and everything that was sort of happening there and the fan experience and, and the fan rivalry. There was a lot of spikely action that we saw on the bench and you know people wearing half-half shirts that I had no idea. <laughs> One thing I'm not sure about is how those things were even made. Like, how do you get someone to sew those sort of things? Um, it, it's it's an odd thing. And same with the hats. It's just a, it's a strange sort of fashion choice. But what are your thoughts on just the whole Brooklyn rivalry? I think it started early in the week, like you said, when um, Kyrie was at the opening to a, a new basketball store, a basketball apparel store, and he was saying, you know, this is our city now. 
Yeah, I think it was Foot Locker, but um, I think it's a big boost. Obviously, people were tweeting that, hey, that the Knicks don't have quite the same presence they've had in the past. You know, obviously being Crosstown rival, it's easy to get tickets to the game, and they're cheaper than MSG, so a lot of Knicks fans tend to go. But uh, you really didn't hear them as much until the Knicks made a run later in the game. They still have work to do, obviously, in taking over the city, and it's not going to happen in one game, but just step in the right direction, obviously. You need to win. Yeah, wins count for everything. You've got the talent already. Um and we won at the end of the day, and that's all that matters. Exactly. And then big shots always leave a nice memory in your brain, too. Oh, big time. It was The energy made me certainly nervy towards the end of the game. But when the ball was in Kyrie's hands, you know, I felt somewhat you know, zen-like and somewhat at peace because I knew that you know, he was going to do something. And that's a lot coming from pessimistic Jack when it comes to basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat <laughs> confident. And, you know what I mean, you have to be as good as Kyrie Irving to give me confidence. Yeah. What do you think uh, Karis LeVert next game? Is he going to bounce back with a big game after getting benched and respond? Oh, he'll, he'll definitely respond. I think Karis LeVert is, is the consummate professional. Um, I, I think that he was better than um, Coach Kenny probably thought. I think Coach Kenny can be a little bit hard on guys like him and maybe he's, you know, he's the new D'Angelo Russell, um, for lack of a better term, because, or lack of a better comparison, because he doesn't have that, not necessarily whipping boy, but guy to ride on to really sort of get the best out of him. But um, it worked out well for D'Angelo, made the All-Star game, so hopefully it's the same for Karras. Yeah, no, I thought Karras was good tonight. I think you know, six turnovers um, is way too many in only 24 minutes of time, but um, it was symptomatic of a lot of the, the woes that were happening. But I, I think he'll bounce back, and I think I'm confident in you, dude. Yeah, me too. I think he'll bounce back, and like you said, the turnovers are kind of all over the place. Other than that, I thought he played really well. Some of the fouls were just there calling a lot of fouls, and you guys just need to kind of keep it in your reins when you know they're doing that. And they didn't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I guess we're on the right there, Nick. And um, I might not be able to do some certain pods maybe the next game or two because I will be flying out very soon over to the States. But they'll be, I'll be back and I'm sure the buzz will still be going. Nick's obviously got Will and plenty of other people that are willing to jump on. But make sure you subscribe to all the places that Nick has mentioned. Yes, uh, appreciate you guys as always. And check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBassel.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Peace out. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 